All right, everyone. Hello and welcome for another episode of Ready, Set, Shag. I'm your host, the Shagsworth. How are you doing, everyone? Um, I have a very special guest with me today. Uh, she's someone I've been wanting to talk to for a very long time. And of course, I've spoken with her before, but never in a one-on-one setting. And uh, she's an absolutely fantastic human being. Um, been following her for a while. It's a pleasure that I get to sit with her today. Um, let me present to you, Miss Carrie Smith. Hello, Shagsworth. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Please call me Tom. You know what's funny? I've been I was talking to someone last night um uh about how like the moniker, like the online moniker that I've given myself is just sort of taken shape over the years. And mm-hmm. you know, in Vegas, I went to the FNT meetup and everyone's just referring to me as Shags or Shagsworth and stuff like that. And it's always weird because no one no one ever calls me by my your real name? My real name. It's hard to do once you become used to a moniker because, like, I just saw um, Comics Division. My husband and I got to see him in San Antonio last week. My husband had a show there, and I just call him Comics, and he's like, you know, you can call me my real name. And I said, I forgot what your real name is because <laughs> <laughs> I just call you Comics all the time. I forgot. And uh, the same thing with, like, Culture Casino. I've been talking to him for a while, he and his wife maybe at some point might come visit me and my husband and help us with some stuff and my husband was asking me like uh like what's his name again and i was like culture and he's like no his real name i said oh i no idea <laughs> like like if you have a moniker it's just for some of us like me it's hard to remember more than one name right. and if i know you as one thing it's gotten so bad that my my wednesday night co-host who's been a friend of mine for years he has an online moniker that he uses um, yeah. because he's anonymous. And so his, his online on the show, we call him mystery Chris yeah. on Wednesday nights. And now in person, in real life, now I refer to him as mystery Chris when I'm talking about him in the third person of my husband or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah. He's like, what did you do today? I'm like, Oh, mystery Chris. And I talked for a little bit. He's like, why are you calling him that? That's like for the show. I'm like, I don't, that's how I know him now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just started rambling. <laughs> no, that's no, it's it's actually funny because I I I'm very plugged into the online community and my wife is the opposite. She is not at all plugged in. Mm-hmm. So when I talk about, oh, you know, we're going we're doing a show tonight and so and so's on and she's like, "Who's that? What's their name?" I'm like, "Uh, well, no one really shares any. Like most people yeah. like they want to remain anonymous." And she's like, "That's weird." I'm like, "Well, and like I it's there's so much stuff to talk about in order to establish why that is, you know, you could talk about swatting, you can talk about, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And I was like, I, I don't know if I should explain. It. I was like, trust me, like, it's a thing, you know, but, and even at uh, Vegas, I, my co-host, I know their, their names, but I'm walking around saying Amarada, Horror Amarada and Sheep City. Yeah, and, like, Horror Amarada. That's how I remember her too. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her real name. It, it, that's just, it's kind of cool. I don't have a moniker, but if I were to have one. It might be frog. frog. Frog? Yeah, we watched uh Smokey and the Bandit the other night for the oh, first cool. time in a long time. And um Sally Fields, Burt Bert Reynolds starts calling her frog. And I was like, that's so funny. It's like that he comes up with a CB handle for her. Yeah. Um what one thing I was gonna say to you about your intro, mm-hmm. ready set shag. That's the name of your show, right? Yeah. Do you know how to shag? The dance? No. Oh, it's so I'm from South Carolina originally. That's the South Carolina state dance. It's a, it's a kind of uh, it's a modified form of the swing, really? and yeah, the shag. It's a fun dance. 
it's it's like um really great for i'm not that music i'm not musically inclined at all actually but it like a song like a uh, brown eyed girl that's the kind of song you shag to really yeah because <laughs> <laughs> everyone of course everyone does the they they draw attention to the Austin Powers reference of Shag, so oh, <laughs> and actually, no, it's a dance. <laughs> my like most of my like usernames for like gaming like games or whatever that I play, they're blocked a lot of times because Shag is considered like a derogatory term in in most of the games. Uh, They'll say, "Oh, that's inappropriate." You oh, like in the that. UK, that's what it means, right? Right. So it's. It's really, it's really weird, and that's another reason I thought like maybe, maybe I should just go back to my my government name because I used to use it for everything, and then when I rebranded and started doing YouTube content, I was like, I should, I should just like button it up and not really say who I am. I mean, everyone just Google stuff nowadays. Like if yeah. you want to know something, you're like, oh, what was that thing I saw? Oh, Sh uh, Shagsworth, or you type in the person's name, and all of a sudden you get all the information you want. Or for ten bucks, you can find out where someone lives, their phone number you know, their family tree. Yeah. It's a, uh... well, I like the name. I think it's a great name and um, you should look up. There's an old, well, old now, I guess maybe it's from the eighties or nineties. This movie called the shag with Phoebe Cates. It takes place in South Carolina. It features the dance. Um, okay. Anyway, I learned something <laughs> today. I'm, <laughs> I did not know there was a dance called the shag. Um, no, it's funny. Yeah. And, my my name was supposed to be a blend of like my my name and like a like I don't know I heard I heard like a take of this name somewhere and I was like oh that kind of sounds it kind of sounds dapper like the Shagsworth oh like yes. I should be like smoking a pipe while I yeah while I'm on stream or something with the monocle um, right exactly <laughs> if I had bad eyesight I would totally have a monocle <laughs> um but perfect twenty twenty you know <laughs> so. I, I have been starting off these these interviews with just a I don't know just a weird philosophical question because I feel like people in this space a lot of we'll say quote unquote conservatives like seem to be pretty happy people for the most part um, I feel like we've been sort of put into that box over the years as like now you're a conservative um, which is ironic because I consider I would still consider myself pretty liberal compared yeah, to my friends too. who pretend to be liberal. <laughs> yes. Yes. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. People on the left who are illiberal. Yeah. It's 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 a bizarre thing. And I, I I'll share something that I saw uh in in a bit, but I, I wanted to ask you, like, what what do you think it means to be like happy? Like what is oh. what is what is like your well, I heard I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about happiness versus uh, meaning before. I believe he was talking about happiness versus meaning, and that started me thinking a lot because you know he was talking about how happiness is a feeling and it's fleeting. Yeah, and we will all have it, and it will come and go, just like anger will come and go, or sadness will come and go. And I think he was he was talking about it in, in you know in relationship to meaning and how those things are different. But I also started thinking about joy and how joy is different and contentment and what are states that you can have like a relatively stable uh, experience with, uh, even if you're not happy at the time. And so 
so so happiness to me is sort of i don't know it's like uh if if you have a really happy moment is but then you wouldn't know what that felt like if you if you didn't have moments that aren't happy do you know what i mean you're not always going to be in a state of happiness so my husband will ask me sometimes like are you is your heart happy or are you are you happy and Mm -hmm. um that's a question he asks a lot but i'll ask him sometimes like are you content like are you at peace because even if you're not happy let's say you're going through a hard time a rough patch or whatever or you're sad or dealing with momentary depression or whatever's going on with you yeah i still want to be able to maintain a baseline of like contentment and foundation like a foundation there so that everything's not wrapped up on this unrealistic like let's try to be happy all the time which is just impossible and doesn't even make any sense right you can't yeah, be I, happy. it I wouldn't mean you- anything if you were well, I was saying to you, like, you're, you mean like contentment as in like, you, you wouldn't necessarily be like sad, but it's just, you still have a, a solid foundation under your feet and you feel like if, if something yes. could go wrong, it would be, you know. Like, um, yeah, sort of uh, just content with the way life is, like content with life. Is my heart content? Yes. Even if today is a bad day or a stressful day or, you know, some kind of not happy day, I still have that contentment. Okay. And so that's really different than when I was a, you know, social justice warrior when I was in that world because I did not have a baseline foundation of contentment and joy. And I would say actually I had a baseline of like a background low level anxiety a lot of the time. Yeah. And that you're just kind of dealing with this low grade anxiety. A lot of people I know who are still in that world, that's why I consider them to be, well, a lot of them are not happy or they're not contented. They're not content. They're not joy, joyful. Like, because I think that they're, they're constantly, I don't know. They're dealing with stuff like that, like that background, low level, low grade anxiety, or they're dealing with um, some kind of cognitive dissonance, or they're dealing with this deep, you know, deep understanding that their opinions are not their own or that they feel like frauds. A lot of them have a, uh, what do they call that? Imposter syndrome. Mm. And a lot of them, they don't have a good foundation and they don't get into, you can see this just in the way people carry themselves with whether they're comfortable with themselves and their opinions or not. Um, A lot of my friends who are still in that leftist echo chamber, and I used to be like this, I think they have that low level anxiety because if you were to ask them to defend their opinions or to talk to you about something they get really uneasy and upset and they try to shut down the conversation very quickly because um probably because of a lot of things number one they can't defend their positions or they don't want to reveal that they don't know a lot about the thing that they have an opinion on yeah um or number two uh, they they uh, they view their opinions as their identity they confuse their opinions for who they are so it yep. makes them uneasy when you challenge it because it feels like you're challenging their self, you know. Right. Like if you were to if you were to find a flaw in their argument, you're fundamentally breaking down who they are. Yeah, they person. view it as a personal attack. It's not a personal attack. Yeah. It's your it's an attack of your opinion. Right. But they I think, can't distinguish the two. I think it's hard. I mean, you know, there's no doubt that that's a hard thing to separate. Like I think once you sort of break out of that that hive mind mentality like one of the first things that's really hard to overcome is is separating your opinions like from like who you are personally you know what i mean like i i've it's taken me a while to realize if someone 
criticizes something I do or gives me uh, constructive criticism on something I made. That's not a personal attack on me. That's saying, hey, this thing that you did, like that is from you, but you could make it better. Um, it's not, and that's essentially how like waking up out of that whole, you know, leftist echo chamber was like, for me, I was like, I'm starting to realize like I can separate these two things and I don't have to be yes. attached to it all the time. Um, the, the, one of the guys I've interviewed before is a marriage and family therapist, Jake Wiskirchen. Mm -hmm. He has, um, here, he does this exercise I don't have enough pens here to show you fully, but basically he says, you know, you've got your pens in your hand there. These are like your ideas. And most people, they get to where they grip them very tightly. Yeah. And he's like, no, you should grip them loosely. So it's easy to let go of them or to replace them. And it's not like a part of you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think, a you know, well, definitely I know when I was in the social justice world, I gripped my opinions very tightly as if they were an extension of me. And, and the funny thing is um, they weren't even my opinions. I hadn't even done the work to hold them. Right. I'll give you a great example lately. And by the way, I apologize for the noise. We, we cannot, we have so much, we're renovating this old house. My husband and I yeah. so you might hear some things. I'll try to mute myself when I'm not talking. So we're doing a lot of hammering. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> okay. But great example. Recently I've had some, I know some very well-meaning people on the left who are still in that echo chamber who will say things that are not true. They really have no understanding of what's going on in the world because they just receive information and opinions from headlines, like multiple impressions of propaganda that they're receiving. And then they'll say something like, Oh, well, you know, Tennessee is banning drag Queens. And I'm like, they're, they're not banning drag Queens. Aren't they? I thought they, they didn't, they just pass a bill banning drag Queens. Like, no, you should go read the bill. I try to say it without being condescending, you know, like right. you, know, you want to be open and like, no, have you read the bill? Like it's actually, it's, you know, what they're doing is they're banning um, drag performance or actually any kind of sexualized um, performance for children. And they're like, oh, but uh, so drag queens will still be able to perform. Yeah. And they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, but so if sometimes people have those, those, opinions or they think they know something and they don't even realize it's been it's been something they've picked up through propaganda yeah. and let's say they're not an open-minded person like my friend who's willing to hear that that may be wrong in a nice way that, that some people they'll hold very tightly to that and if you especially if you mock them if you Oops. come at them sorry if you come at them like kind of mock or you're like that's not happening you know you make them feel stupid then they're like it is happening and they won't right. let go of it you know yeah. like how dare you challenge me on this thing that I'm completely incorrect about? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's true. I, it, how, how you approach the other person, uh, especially again, but with my friends on the left, I used to like headbutt them figuratively um, on like Facebook posts and stuff. They'd post something that was very obviously like wrong. And I would just try and like go headlong into it. And then I realized like, that's, it's not helping anyone because again, that, that idea is attached to who they are. And if you mess that up, I may as well be actually headbutting them in the face and it doesn't come off well, but you approaching your friend in that way uh, or friends and saying, well, actually, you know, it actually says this, like it, it totally changes how they, you know, um, receive that. Cause it doesn't come off as an attack. It comes off as a, Oh, this person's like being helpful in trying to help me understand something that I don't understand. Or Yes. Or if you ask a question, here's a great example. My husband, a friend of his, I posted something the other day about um, 
performing at a festival in Georgetown, Texas. It just happened. And the friend said something like, sort of like a virtue signaling post. He's like, you know, it was like a humble brag virtue signaling post, like performing for a crowd of thousands. As I looked out across the crowd and I saw the Confederate flag flying from the courthouse and and then all these people in the comments, all these people on the left who are kind of in an echo chamber who have no idea, of course they would believe this. They're all like, I can't believe Georgetown allows the Confederate flag to fly. Oh my gosh, what? Get with the times. The Confederate flag's flying at the courthouse. What? And um, and my husband and I, we, we used to live in Georgetown. We're like, that's it doesn't fly from the courthouse. I, I know there's a group of Confederate soldiers who go out there every weekend now. You know why they go out there? They go out there because BLM started going out there every weekend and trying to get a statue taken down. It's not even a statue for a specific person. It's simply for people who died, the veterans who died. It's for all people who died. They're trying to get it removed. So because they go out there every weekend and create a circus, then they get pushed back from these Confederates who now go every weekend and they bring their Confederate flag and they put it up just like any other booth. They're allowed to fly whatever they want in their space. They've allotted. Long story short, there's a lot of ways you could approach that. You could go into that person's comments and be like, why are you lying? It doesn't fly from atop the courthouse. It's It was a booth. You could tell them they're wrong in a way. Yep. Or you could do what my husband did, which is just ask a question and say, hey, was it flying from atop the courthouse or was it like part of uh, some group's booth or something? Yeah. And then the guy has to be like, well, actually, I think it was part of somebody's booth. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, just kind of clarify and hope that people see that, that it's not yeah. like, but that's that's a difference in ways of like questions like that are good because then people are less defensive if you're like i had a friend of a friend on social media say something nasty in a post about um jordan peterson he was like and jordan peterson spreads disinformation now i could have gone in there boom boom fighting but instead i was it was a friend of a friend i want to be respectful or civil at least so i'm like hey could you tell me what you think that jordan peterson has said that's disinformation like I actually, I really respect the man. He's helped me change my life in so many ways. Yeah. I'm just curious, you know, what you're talking about. Could you, could you give a specific example? Yeah, that's a question. Now, of course, he couldn't, but at least we kept it civil the whole time, right? You know. Well, it's it's interesting. You bring up the whole like, you know, how how that guy is like, because that's how headlines are written, right? That like when he's mm-hmm. when he's on stage and he's looking out and he. He sees the Confederate flag flying from the town hall. Like that's how headlines are written. But nobody, very few people take the time to work recursively backwards to like, wait, is it that? Or is did they just write that headline because they know it's going to enrage people yes. and like take a stand? Like, yes. And, and I mean, I don't know this guy, so I can kind of make fun of him a little bit. But I was just <laughs> laughing because I, I like the context of which he was like virtue signaling in a humble brag post. Yeah. And you're kind of condescending and telling lies on all the people in this town you've been hired to perform for it, like the biggest festival they have per year. Right. And I was sort of like, I should have just written like, as I looked down my nose at all the deplorables who had come to hear me perform. <laughs> like, standing atop a stage in front of the plebeians, I'd come to do my wonderful music for i noticed their (laughs) deplorable flag (laughs) it's just so hired you dude tell them films on them no it's and that's (laughs) that's one of the biggest problems i've seen with with everything and i I did a video uh right before i left vegas about all the steven crowder stuff because everything i saw about it was 
like everyone was just jumping to conclusions. And I'm the reason I sort of started waking up out of everything, um, you know, alongside your story and a couple other things uh, was like the fact that everybody, the news was just lying to me. Mm -hmm. Like headlines would say one thing, you read the article, it says the exact opposite, even from like liberal outlets. And I was like, this is, and and that's what I was seeing with all the Crowder stuff was like, people are just jumping to conclusions. They're making assumptions on what happened. I'm like, all right, if we're going to change anything in the future, we can't do this. You know, I don't agree with how he formulated the words to his wife, but I'm also missing hours of context, years of context prior. I don't know how him and his wife interact. I don't know what kind of morning they had i don't know you know if she snickered behind her back and like you know pointed to the camera before she edited and you know set him up i i have no clue and this is a big problem that i'm seeing is that we just can't get authentic reporting on stuff and if we do it's way too late like matt taibbi in the twitter files like it's it's almost too little too late with all that exposure i mean it's great journalism and i know he's gotten things wrong and he's admitted it but like it's, we need to do from jump street. We need to start like looking at these things in a much different way. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I do have an opinion on the Steven Crowder stuff, but I've shared it privately with friends and stuff, but I don't feel a need to like publicly comment on it. I mean, if something right. happened, if something happened where the nature of the story changed or I felt like really moved to say here are my public thoughts on but a lot of the drama stuff like i might make for my own opinions that i share with friends but i don't really have a need to like who cares what i think about that anyway right um so i don't know that's the kind of story where we might disagree actually because i feel like i have enough information but i'm also (laughs) i'm also like kind of a i don't know i'm on those always kind of looking out for people with personality disorders and maybe i uh i'm a little bit primed to be i don't know no and listen (laughs) i i i'm i'm speaking from a place of you know relative ignorance like i i followed crowder enough to to sort of understand who he is and how Mm -hmm. he's operated over the years like my my video was not a defense of steven crowder by any stretch you know and i don't oh i don't think it i I didn't think that Um, but you know it's it's one of those things where I just thought so many people are just drama farming this. I, exactly. This exactly. They yeah. jump on anything and it's like, just stay quiet unless you need to add something. That's like, is there something that's not being said? You think that you really have a, you have a unique take on that's like, I want to add to this. Um, right. No. Then why are you just another voice in the crowd saying the same thing that somebody's already saying? No. And um, you know, why jump on i don't know until there's more of the story out i remember when i remember when jesse smollett happened yeah okay so immediately when that happened i was like this is bullshit like privately to friends this is reeks to high heaven there's no way this happened (laughs) but i didn't say anything publicly because i was kind of like well i don't want to just repeat the mistakes of my social justice years the other way where right i don't wait till information comes out and i just kind of go out and accuse without any evidence you know so yeah I waited until, and then lo and behold, yeah, that was BS. But, you know, at the time when it first broke, when he was first telling the story before he'd been exposed as a fraud, it was sort of like, oh, just hold my tongue um, and see what happens. And there aren't enough people who do that, myself included. There are definitely times when I don't hold my tongue. It just depends right, on the person and the context and everything. 
I try to that that Bible verse about being slow to speak. Like, man, I have to really read that a lot. <laughs> no, it's it's something I've learned just from watching others in the YouTube space because even even like commenting on um, what movie did I see? Uh, there's the new there's a new animated film from Disney. It was called I think it was called Strange Worlds um, mm-hmm. or Strange World, and it was getting a lot of like flack from from the fellowship community, like, like right out of the gate. Cause well, it was marketed as like an LGBT like film uh, with the lead is supposed to be uh, non-binary maybe, or something, something like that. But Disney leaned into that and that's how the reporting was when it came out. So everyone was slamming it. And I, I watched it with my kids and it was totally cool. Like it was a good movie. It was fun. Um, there was a good like father, it was like a three generation sort of story, like the son, dad, and the dad looking up to his dad. And there was all sort of this like weird dysfunctional relationship. Um, there was like some stuff you could argue was, was woke in there, but I don't even like using that word really. Uh, it, it was, but it was still not, it was nothing like people were making it out to be. And I, so as I see some of that stuff come out, I'm like, we just gotta be a little bit You don't want to be knee jerk. I mean, I've been asked to be on several like different kind of pop culture shows the past few months, which has been fun. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a little outside my element, depending on what kind of pop culture. But somebody was asking me about the trailer for, um, oh man, it's the guy from Cobra Kai. He's going to be playing a superhero, Latino superhero. What's that movie? Oh, Blue Beetle? Blue Beetle. Yeah. yeah, so they were asking me what I thought about this one little part of the trailer that I guess people were jumping on where his uncle, played like, played by George Lopez, was calling Batman a fascist. And, yeah. and people were upset about that. But I was sort of like, I can't tell. Because from the context of the trailer, it kind of looks like his uncle might be that character that's like, oh, who calls everybody some, you know, yeah. you know, where you, where you as the audience member are supposed to dislike like or kind of laugh at the uncle, right? Like that person who's overbearing and doesn't like anybody and calls everybody an AZI, you know, or whatever, right? And that just, you know, don't 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 set yourself. I would say this in trying to get away from the social justice people who are overreactionary and who form their opinions without doing the work to hold those opinions, don't become a person who just knee jerk is doing the same thing, but in opposition to what you think might be woke. Like you can't do that because it's that Nietzsche quote, you know, you'll become the monster that you fight just on the other side. Like you can't, you have to guard against that. You can't just, um, I never want to just be like knee jerk. um, Cause then they're still controlling you. Just the other way around. Right. All they got to do is push a button and they know what you'll do. Yep. No, All they got to do is put out, you know, the right Dylan Mulvaney on a Bud Light. And it's like, I know what Carrie will do. Now, they may be right some of the time, but I don't want them <laughs> to always be right. <laughs> no, it's 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 very true. And it's something that, like, I, I, I look at my time sort of coming out of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it was like full SJW, but I was definitely... Like I was in it to some extent. And as I was pulling myself out of it, I was, I felt like I was like basically swinging like a pendulum back and forth. Like, so going from like more extreme left and then coming back, like I was, I was watching a lot of like daily wire Crowder, Charlie Kirk stuff. And like, then I would like bring it back. I'm like, okay, I got to like, (laughs) I got to come back a little bit and like watch a little destiny uh, and and other like 
and, and just get, and even like Vosh to an extent, like I would, I would just like listen to what he was saying just because I needed to hear, okay, people are saying this guy's a deplorable idiot. Like what, what about him is that? And, you know, then start taking it back in and trying to consider something that he's saying. And then it would just, okay, back the other way. And I'm, I feel like I'm sort of settling at this point as to where I am like politically and culturally in the middle, like very, very much in the middle. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I see with a lot of people. Uh, but I've been trying not to, to be, to become the monster that I've been trying to, to fight because as a, as a dad of two young kids, I'm starting to see how things leak into their life and how they're exposed to things that, you know, you don't mean for them to get exposed to, but needing to talk to them, uh, in a way that they, they start to get like the direction they're supposed to head or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to tell them what they're supposed to believe, but I want to give them the tools to, to make their decisions along the way. Um, I heard a really interesting quote. There's a, it was a whole TikTok about how kids are not, kids are not, you don't make your kids into who they're going to be. Like, and the guy was like, how dare you think that you can just mold a, a human being into whatever you want? Like that's a, they are an amalgamation of your like genetic line. They are their own person. Like you are the shepherd. And your job is to put them in the fields that they can thrive in. Um, you put them in the bad field, they're going to, you know, they're going to make bad decisions. You put them in, in a field that, you know, is fruitful and full of knowledge. They will, they will eat from that. You know, it was a really, I never really thought of that because as a, as a parent, you, you're always looking like, Oh, did, did we listen to enough baby Einstein? Did we, uh, did we look at enough colors and touch enough felt today? Like it, <laughs> it, you, you always think that you're, you're doing, you're not doing enough. But that guy's, I don't know, three or four minute speech. I was just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I think we're doing pretty good yeah. so far. Um, but like that's, and I, and I was telling someone recently, I was like, there's there's never a time that you can't put yourself into a, into a better pasture. Like the only thing that changes is that you sort of become your shepherd. You know, after you're 18, you know, you're out in the world and now you have, now you have to place yourself where you want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're a conservative in downtown LA, you're probably going to be pretty uncomfortable, but you can also guard yourself against that and, and help yourself navigate or remove yourself from that place if you needed to. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's a, it's a really hard thing to do. And I, I've watched a lot of my friends like succumb to the pressure of the social justice left. Um, and it's it's too bad. Uh, I wanted to share with you actually a picture that I I saw. Yeah. Um, let me. I meant to pull it up beforehand, and now of course, oh here it is. Let me. Hopefully, I can share this. It was it was just a one of those graphics that. Uh, um, that everyone shares on Facebook. And it said. Almost every justification I've seen today has used Bible verses saying this country needs Jesus. Respectfully, no, it doesn't. Christians need Jesus. America needs separation of church and state, the foundation on which the, this country exists in the first place. You're allowed to let your re religion control your own life, but you are not allowed to let it control the entire country. Um, and I just thought, I don't know. I just thought how short-sighted this really is. Yes. And also um, this person, I mean, this person just seems like, I'm sorry to insult them. They just seem like a very shallow thinker. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, I just skimmed through that quickly. First of all, I agree. We, I, I want to live in a country with separation of church and state. I don't want to live in a theocracy and where anyone is forced to have any, um, you know, religious belief system, including woke. Right. right now, we we need a separation of church and state between the the church of woke and state, and we don't have that yet. Um, we need it out of the public schools. We need it out of public policy. We need it out of the government, out of environmental justice and department of education and all of it. Yep. Um, all of the DEI, everything set it on fire. We need to separate it. But, um, but if, if somebody is of the opinion that we need Jesus, which I am, I think we need Jesus. It doesn't mean I, I think we need to have Jesus forced on us by the state. No way. Right. <laughs> so that person's like conflating the two. Yep. I don't know if they're smart enough to even realize they're conflating the two. But um, well, it's it's unfortunate because I I know this person who posted this very well and uh, sorry no it you, you know I, I th this is just the sort of thing that I I didn't respond to this I just sort of rolled my eyes at it because again they're like you said they're I, I don't even know Christians that want like these two things together like I know I don't either them, I don't know yeah. any Christian who, I'm sure there are I know there yeah. are I just don't know them they're not that many that I. I don't think there are that many people who want the government to force Jesus on you that it goes against the whole, I mean, it goes against all of scripture and the Bible. Like you're supposed to, it's supposed to be free will. Yeah. What does your choice mean? You, what does choosing Jesus mean if you like have to, and we've seen that in different countries where you're forced to be of a certain religion or not. Um, I got to interview a woman who escaped iran with her family when she was like six years old they before they left you know she was jewish they had to worship in secret mm -hmm. and you know yet they had to pretend to be of a different faith when out in public it's like they had to pretend to be muslim but in secret they were jewish like you wow. have there are countries like that where you know there's like secret underground christians in china and you have to when you're out in public pretend to be something else that's that's just that's not God. That's not what God wants. And when I say, I think we need Jesus, like as a nation, um, that doesn't mean I think the government should force Jesus on us. It's like, no way. Yeah. Well, and that's what I kept thinking. And I, what I want, I wanted to respond and say that I just want to be like, you know, from where I sit and I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. I've, I've come to respect it so much more over the past four years. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, I was raised a uh, Catholic and I went to church, but I sort of fell away from that for, for my own reasons. But I, I never anymore do not judge people who live their life, but you know, uh, through the Bible or whatever faith they have, like a lot of people need that and, or they, they just want it because it makes them feel good or it gives them purpose. And that was a lot of what I was like, I was like, that's what they mean. They just mean if Christians say, you know, America needs Jesus, it they just mean we, we need to ground ourselves in something that we believe in and that could give us, you know, or you know, fix our moral compass or help us find it again. And I don't know, it was it was just too bad because it, there's there's no nuance in something like like this. Well, and also I think a lot of I believe that a lot of our um secular society we still hold, hold on to uh, some Christian moral framework 
very little of it left but a lot of our laws are based on that like thou shalt not murder you know that person is probably in agreement that we shouldn't murder but i don't know if they could explain why they think we shouldn't um i think a lot of this is just cultural remnants and and so somebody who would say uh, like let's say a believer who would say i think we need jesus might be saying that because they think you know a lot of our, a lot of people would be healthier and happier to go back to your first question more content more joyful mm -hmm. if they found jesus i i think that about anytime some a friend is going through something i'm one of those cheesy i'm a pretty new christian in the past few years you know mm -hmm. But I'll offer them scripture that I think might help them and they can take it or leave it, whether they're a friend who's a believer or not. I have a lot of atheist friends who are very understanding and um, will either tolerate me sending them scripture or even better, a lot of times they're like, wow, thank you. That's really spot on, even though, you know, they're not a believer, but they know the intent is good. That what I'm intending is like, maybe this will help you. And I guess all this to say, when somebody says we need Jesus, whether that's as a country or an individual, it's like if you saw a, a friend starving or, or dying of thirst in the desert and you had water, wouldn't you want to offer them the water even if, you know, they might be delusional and reject it? <laughs> but yeah. it's like, but I know, I know, I think I have what would help them anyway. I think I do. I don't want to offer it in a condescending way or whatever. So... It makes me wonder the people the people who claim to be atheists that you're sending scripture to and then find it helpful. It makes me think that they're not atheists at all. Like maybe maybe agnostic at worst. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, I don't know. I obviously I don't know your friends, but the that's where I would hear people say, "So like, oh, I'm an atheist." I'm like, really? Like nothing? Like you know? Yeah. <laughs> like nothing at all? Like that seems weird. Like even someone who is like, you know again i wasn't like strictly against it but it it was like i believe in something like life seems like there's something there's some higher purpose uh, to some extent you know like there, this is all too beautiful this is all too perfect in its own imperfect way like there has to be a designer of some of some kind you know and i don't and, and i don't know what that is i i, I and don't the know. bible is full i'm coming to find out it's full of wisdom on human nature and the best way for humans to live. And, you know, a lot of the advice in the Bible, I used to advice, I guess you could look at it as advice guidelines. I used to view a lot of it as restrictions, like uh, from an authoritarian God, you know, when I was very anti-Christian, like a bunch of like things you can't do. And now I kind of look at it as like, oh, this is collective. Even if you don't believe in God, you might be able to look at the Bible as like, this is collective wisdom throughout from like the beginning of time almost where humans yeah. have laid out like th this is a series of allegories about the best way to be in the world and to live in the world and all of this um some of it common sense some of it not distilled down so that you don't have to go through the school of hard knocks and figure it out on your own yeah. like you know here do these things don't do these things like from something very basic and common sense like don't lie yep. to something more complicated like Thou shalt have no, have no other gods before me, which I think I'm starting to come to understand that better in the past couple of years. Like you don't have anything else before God for a reason, because 
look, if I put something else before God, if I put myself before God, which I have, if I put my husband before God, which I have, if I put something else before God, alcohol, which I used to, um, everything gets off track. And, and I, I don't understand now I've gotten to a place where I don't understand people who, um, don't, and I don't mean this to be insulting. I just don't understand how do you live without having something bigger than yourself to, to, to keep you accountable. Because if you're just at the end of the day, relying on your own reason and your own motivations and your own, you know, like worshiping your own ability to reason, you can reason your way into all kinds of bad behavior. You can do all kinds of things. And after the fact, justify it. Yeah. And you, you gotta have, I kind of think humans need something that's, bigger than us that holds us accountable because otherwise you know we can delude ourselves like we can be like we we can psychologically speaking like we can do all kinds of things well here's a question bad behavior here's a question for you because Mm -hmm. well and i'll tell you well not a question an answer to how do how do i go through life i know you weren't specifically asking me but oh well and tell me i do want to (laughs) know How do I go through life without, you know, thinking of something higher than me? I do. Um, it's not God. It's it's my kids. See, um, this is something that this is something that obviously didn't happen until I had kids. Um, what the funny thing is, is you think you know everything and how you would do everything when you have kids, when you don't have kids, but nothing could be farther from the truth. When you don't have kids, it's really easy to say, "I would do this. I would do that." Case closed. Like that's how you do it. Then you have kids and you realize, wow, this is like literally like someone throwing you in the fire and say, okay, try and get out. And by the way, you have to run a hundred yards just to get out. And then once you get out, you're going to be running another hundred yards through more fire. Like it's, but that's what, but putting my children above myself has helped like really ground me in, because to me, they're God. Like they are, they are the best chance for a better future. So if, if I do what I need to do, if I become a selfless parent and putting their well-being mm-hmm. over mine, we can get to a better place. And that's always been my thought on the solution for a better future was make them better than me and, and yeah. give them better tools sooner. I think if I'm ever, if I'm, if we are blessed enough to have children, well, I think the or- correct order is they do come before you. It's like God, your spouse, your kids, you. Maybe yeah. my dog goes at number two. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <joking. Yeah. laughs> but I think with putting a person in that role as a believer, my only worry is that, and somebody in your chat asks, Greg asks, serious question, how does putting your husband before God get you off track? Um, the answer is through experience, <laughs> um, my experience anyway. God is a jealous God. God God wants to be the the and is, I think as a believer, the only foundation, the only rock that we can rely on. No human can fill all the roles that God does. As much as we want our person, our spouse to be everything to us, um, they can be a lot of things, but they they are human. They are going to make mistakes, they're going to fail. And when you make a person into an idol, and you 
tie your existence and your well-being and your contentment and your all those things to that person, your foundation to that person. I think if you are a believer, if you don't correct that, if you don't course correct, God will course correct it for you where that person may be taken from you or there may be the threat of that person being taken from you or there may be some kind of lesson that you have to learn where it's like, oh, oh, I made that person my God and I didn't even realize it where it's like, you know, if that if you go through a rough patch or something and, and you're suddenly like, I can't imagine living without this. How am I going to survive without this person? Gregory says, oh, you mean you put your husband above yourself? No, I, well, I did. And I still do. I think I think we, we should put our spouse before ourselves. I just mean, no, as a, I had I had put for a while, I had put my husband in that position of God to me and um, where I couldn't imagine me existing if we weren't together. And that's God doesn't want that. <laughs> like, like he doesn't want anyone to be in that position. I don't believe as a as a believer. I never talk about this stuff. So thank you for letting me. I'm stumbling through it, articulating it. But I think I think it's like, you know, God's like, don't put anyone there. That's why when I say no gods before me, I mean no gods before me. And whether that's like your spouse or or um your job or your your career, your success or money or alcohol or whatever it is like nothing no one and and because god disciplines his children i think i'm coming to understand that god disciplines the ones he loves there are lots of verses about disciplining his sons and how like you as a father would discipline your child because you love your child right mm -hmm. so god the father disciplines the believers because he loves you and he wants to keep you on the right path and it's like if you don't figure out how figure out how to correct things that you're doing wrong that are interfering with your relationship with God like he will correct those for you or help teach you the lesson so that you're like oh okay you know thank you i needed the school of hard knocks again <laughs> so i could get that priority in straight right yeah no um, I, I, goals. oh go ahead i was going to say is it also like so by by having him above all like, so if you have, if I have my kids above him and someone does wrong to my kids and then like that, if I have, if I have my kids above God, I might act out in a way that like God would maybe. disapprove of, like you would, you or know. maybe you, um, let's say you had adult, an adult kid who's an addict and you find yourself unable to, uh, do the tough love thing that would help them. Because you've made you've made them such an idol in your life that you can't live without their constant contact. You can't cut them off, even if that would be better for them in the long run until they get sober. Like those kind of things. I kind of feel like um, I don't have a kid, so I can't speak to that as easily. But, uh, you know, there came a point in my relationship with my husband. I've never talked about this kind of personal stuff, but this personal. But when we were dating, where I... I felt like God was saying to me, I kept, I kept thinking about the Abraham and Isaac story. It kept coming up all the time. This is what, this is how I experienced God is when he wants me to learn something, man, all the scripture I read points to that, everything point, like it keeps bringing me back to that. And I'm like, stop it. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was sort of about, I finally understood the Abraham and Isaac story because for a long time, I thought of that story as like, that's a really shitty story. Why would God tell you to sacrifice your son? That's terrible. What kind of God would do that? And I came to realize, oh, 
it's not about Abraham having to sacrifice Isaac because in the end he doesn't. God wants you to be willing to let go of anything, anyone for him, anything and anyone for him. But he does. He just wants you to be willing to, to learn the lesson. But oftentimes he won't require that. Right. And I got to a point where I realized, okay, you know, I knew I was looking for marriage and for a family and, you know, God was basically like, well, at a certain point, you're going to have to be willing to walk away from this man um, if he, if he's not, if that's not what he wants also, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I'm not going to stay in some unmarried, I'm not going to check up with you. And I'm not going to like, I'm not going to be one of your music floozies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Carrie was a roadie before she was a <laughs> right? Like, it was kind of like, what are you looking for? And I did not want to have that conversation because I was like, no, like me, if it were up to me and I didn't have God in my life, it would have just been like, ho-hum, like whatever happens, happens. Oh, you know, maybe we'll move in together and maybe we'll do this and that. But no, God was like, no, you won't. You're not going to move in with somebody. You're not going to be some uh, floozy. Like you're yeah. not, you're going to be, I have called you for a family and for something meaningful. And like, and so you, I had to get to that place of being willing to be like, I don't know how this conversation is going to go. Thankfully, it went really great. Yeah. It was like putting Isaac on the altar and God being like, thank you for being willing. That's not required. <laughs> but, but, you know, that may only make sense to believers. I don't know. No, no, it makes I, sense. Because okay. actually what I was going to say is I've recently uh, was talking about how I believe the only way through life is like through pain. And I, I was I was trying to explain. I was like, it doesn't mean I want you to. I don't want anyone to be hurt. Um, I was like, but you know, every aspect of my life has proceeded forward in a meaningful way because I experienced some form of pain, whether it was like mental anguish, uh, physical, um, and even like, you know, yes, over the past, um, pain. yeah, over the past two and a half, three months, uh, I've lost 31 pounds and, um, it was, it was a combination of dieting and gym neither of which I wanted to do after yes. three weeks. It sucked. Um, and then it got to a point and I spoke about this on one of my shows. I was like, this is what it means to trust the process. Yeah. Like go, you know, be disciplined and do it every day. Uh, live by it. And eventually you will see those results. Like it's really easy to want to give up after a little while. But once, once I saw like the belt go, you know, cinch down one more and then two and now three, it's like, holy crap. And like all my clothes that were like painted on now, like fall right down, Yeah, you know? And it's, it's such but a you good You have thing. to put, you have to sacrifice something. Peterson talks about this a lot too. Yeah, You have to sacrifice or be willing to sacrifice. I'm starting to understand that better. Yeah, It's a, like a really painful lesson to learn. And I, you have to be willing to put, like, sometimes I'll say to God in my prayers, like, you know, just I'll recheck. I'll do like an inventory of everything, just making sure I don't have anything that's creeping up there above him that I'm not willing to part with. And it's like, would I put this on the altar? Would I put this on the altar? Yeah. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, I would, because I don't want to be separated from God. So if something is acquired, I've even like talked to God, like a person, like, you know, like, I don't want to lose this thing. I'm telling you, but I'm willing to. And if that's your will, Help me to understand it, please. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll let go of that. 
Um, real quick, uh, I don't usually read these, but I will just because mm -hmm. I want to show appreciation. $5 from oh, Socrates McGoat. Um, my personal story with uh, transition regret is how I learned the hard way. When you fail to humble yourself before God, the world will humble you. Yeah. Um, I, thank you for sharing that. That is exactly what I mean. If you fail to humble yourself for God, the world will humble you. Or another way of saying that is if you don't learn the lesson and like take steps to correct a situation that you're, that's not good for you, that you know is not good for you, the world will fix or the universe will fix it or God will fix it. Like that's a great way of saying it. I've, I, you can also, sometimes it's easier to see it in other people than in yourself, although it's best to be able to get to where you can see it in yourself, I think. But, you know, You may have, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular person. I'm trying to be specific. <laughs> <laughs> um, there may be people in your life that you can look at and be like, wow, like God is trying to humble that person and he just will not be broken. Right. Just well, angry at God and resentful and full of rage. And, and so, and because that person's a believer, God is trying to discipline them and it keeps getting worse. And worse and worse because they will not be humbled and just say, I need help because they're so angry at God or what have you, or they think they can handle it and they don't need God or they've rejected God now or whatever. And you're like, dude, you're going to keep being broken. Like in AA, they call it your, uh, your, um, uh, hitting rock bottom moment. Yeah. Right. And yep. some people you're like, wow, like that, I would have thought that was rock bottom, but nope, there's lower and lower and lower to go until you humble yourself. I thought that I was going to mention because my my um, I my brother was a heroin addict um, and he he you know he went through the program. I gave him his two year sobriety coin you know way back wow. when, and it was uh, it was a very humbling moment for me because I just saw so many people who were trying to to find their way, um, so many of which had had their their come to Jesus moment, you know, their rock bottom, and realizing like. And I was asking, um, I don't know, do you know Flawed TV, Flawedzilla? Have you heard mm -hmm. of him? Well, he, so he's in our space. I met him out in uh, Vegas and, you know, he was saying too, like the world just kind of lit up a little bit more, like the moment after his, his overdose or like, you know, his near overdose. And that's kind of how, I don't know, like, that's how like being a parent became to me was like the 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 colors were deeper like the smells were you know sharper like the tastes were it, everything just had more purpose when yeah. and for for a lot of ways because like my my wife is so beautiful and watching the miracle of birth is <laughs> insane like my my second was born 15 weeks no he was born at 25 weeks 2 days so yeah 15 weeks early um he was in a isolate for like a month and then he was in the NICU for like four months, basically um, three months. Watching all that stuff come together exactly the way it needed to um, while other kids were suffering around me, like just, I mean, talk about magnifying like what it means to be alive uh, and what it means. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe this is like, you know, Maybe it's me like standing shoulder to shoulder with God and him being like, do you see this now? Like, do you yeah. understand like what is so important yeah. uh, in life? And, and like, like you're nothing like, but this, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> this it, is like the, the stuff that matters. 
Yeah, and I don't know, like, and I don't know why. I'm just not, I'm just not a like. I've always thought like something in me that's pushing me through. Like, doesn't that mean a little bit more than, you know, someone that I can't see? And and I say this all while knowing like I've experienced something. I've 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 experienced some encounter with with uh, with a being greater than myself. I just don't know by my very nature. I don't know if I could commit myself to something like that. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know if that's. You don't have. I I do know what you mean, and you don't have to. Like you could just do. Some of my atheists, I mentioned some of my atheist friends are open to me sending them scripture when they're going through hard times, and they'll even ask me to pray for them, even though they don't believe. Interesting. And I've told them if you ever want to try, because who knows if you do hit that rock bottom kind of moment or a moment where you're just like open to reaching out. Um, I would say to them, and I've said to them, like, just say, look, you can even say, I don't know if you exist, but if you do, I need help. Just be, what can it hurt? Right. And I guess that's kind of to help them understand. I think anyway, you don't have to, you don't have to have some definitive knowledge of what God is or especially at the beginning I still don't I'm still figuring it out yeah but you you know that's why I say when I talk on podcasts and stuff about like the universe will help you because I know I used to think of it as the universe and I know a lot of people do and I know what they mean I think they're talking about God when they say that what I now understand to be God and so I don't I don't mind you can be that open you know right about it yeah, no, it's, Somebody, it's. I just wanted to comment about your chat real quick. Brahma Bull said, just say Crowder when I was talking about somebody hitting rock. I wasn't actually thinking of him. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of just someone I know in real life. But <laughs> here's, an okay. here's an interesting question about like that. I mean, I, it almost seems like th this is um, his situation seems like an unfortunate series of events because on one hand, you know, him breaking from like mainstream news and, and doing his own thing, I, I think was, was super important. And it started a huge movement of independent creators that, you know, uh, like, Hey, you don't have to be a part of a major news network. You can still comment on all this stuff and be right. Or, you know, but it seemed like he was a victim of his own success in a lot of ways and maybe coupled with some personality stuff. I don't know. Yes. But okay. Yes. Can we talk about this victim of your own success? Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is stuff I never get to talk about. That's why you're here, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly people want to talk to me about woke culture. You already know what woke is. Okay. So that, that I think is one of the biggest pitfalls of the biggest dangers, the biggest traps of fame or success is fame and su success itself. It's right. the same thing with money. Like they come with so many problems. Why do you think yeah. there's so much scripture about like it's easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven? It's not because there's anything wrong with being a rich man. It's because there's so much temptation that comes with that much money or power or fame or success. Right. And so easy to get your priorities out of whack. That's why I think I think it's like basically saying, look, like look at the kids of wealthy rich parents look at hunter biden and ashley biden for example look at the kids like celebrity kids how many problems they have or even the trump kids for that matter even the trump know. kids like yeah. how many 
and you know everybody i think in our culture because of because culturally the things we worship everything's out of whack and what we worship a lot of people like oh i'd give anything to be born with that much money or fame or power no really Right. Uh, because the chances that you're going to end up a drug addict or like, um, you know, not knowing how to hold down a job or um, writing your diary about your all the all these kinds of issues, like it just increases the po- the chances of you falling into all these all these different demon holes, you know. Right, and, and the fact that it, like yeah. all that stuff is dependent on it continuing to hold value, whether it's your company, your family you like or the dollar itself if all that stuff tanks tomorrow and you know and the trump kids or the the biden kids had to live on the street well i guess maybe hunter is but like they wouldn't do it they couldn't they couldn't revert to what humans need to to survive because they're able to survive yeah and so i think there's a real danger with being man like getting drunk on your own success or own fame or money or power or whatever and it can affect anyone. And the minute you start to think that it couldn't affect you is when you are in danger of that cat. There's a Bible, a, a verse about a cat, sin is like a cat crouching at your door of that cat, like crouching up and snatching you. So I think, gosh, like I know he's, he says he's a believer and everything, you know, he, I wasn't going to comment on this, but he should be praying about his ego. He should be praying about his ego and his. You're talking about Crowder? Yeah. Yeah. Pray about it, dude. Like sincerely pray about it. Yeah. And... Well, I thought too, sorry to interrupt. Um, yeah. I thought too, like along those lines, I just thought, you know, he talks about being a Christian a lot. And I was like, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't seem like he's as, as devout as he, you know, as he puts off. And I was like, this might be a good time to, to get out of the spotlight. And, you know, especially when you're like, it's one thing like, you know, he's leaving the blaze or he's d- denying a, an offer from the daily wire. Like that's whatever, but like your family, like your family's falling apart. Um, yeah. like is now the time to get out and like, and say a bunch of stuff. Like it just seems, it just seemed odd. Like this, this is probably the time to be quiet. It's probably time to reflect, you know, as a Christian, maybe pray or, you know, yeah. It's not, not to say you have to be a coward about it, but like you, there, there's time and a place and now is probably a time to regroup, especially for your kids. Like, again, I don't think this is a good way to, to propose how you deal with stuff. Uh, and cause everything you do as a, as a parent, whether you mean to or not is being absorbed by your kids and they're seeing how you, how you yes. deal with things. And, and that's going to be out there forever. Right? And like you need to, yeah, just, I don't know. Well, part of the problem I think is that because I used to work with, I used to work in entertainment. So I managed people, comedians, and I saw people go from nothing to very high levels of, of influence, fame or money, you know, compared to what they had before. And it can be monster making. And, and a lot of times what happens is this is why I say like, you know, wouldn't trade the problems I, I can't even imagine if i ever had to go through something like that like i really dave Chappelle, someone i think has really tried to ground himself to deal with it like really yeah. tried to stay grounded a lot of them don't make that effort they surround themselves with yes men they fire anyone who even offers the slightest criticism you know 
some of the stuff about his show, how he with Dave Landau, he how he didn't want Dave to be funnier than him or to have the last word or whatever. And it's like you are setting yourself up for failure because you have no one around you to accurately hold up a mirror for you and you're paying people to be a yes man for you. Yeah. And and like the emperor has no clothes kind of situation. That's not good for you. And oh. and so um look, there's a verse you are making me think of. Um here. This is in Corinthians. I love this verse. I think about this verse a lot, trying to figure it out in all different ways. Okay, so it says, um, for consider your calling, brothers. This is like to other disciples, right? For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful, nor many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Wow. And I think about that verse a lot because I was trying to wrap my head around it. And sorry, you can hear that now, can you? Barely. It sounds like oh. an airplane. Okay, good. <laughs> There's the construction right above me. Um, have you ever seen the movie Amadeus? It's been a while. Okay. You yes. should go watch this movie, Shags. Yeah. It's it's uh, about Mozart. Of course, it's a fictionalized account. Right. But in the movie, the way that Mozart is, is portrayed is really foppish and just flamboyant and silly and foolish. Yep. And he but he has all this musical talent. And then the way Salieri is portrayed is this, this really exacting, austere, um, authoritarian, resentful guy. And he doesn't have any raw talent, but he really, he try, he prays to God. He tries to make a deal with God. He's like, if you give me this talent, like I will forego women for you and sex and all this stuff. Like he's trying to bargain with God, which you don't do. Cause that's like, you're putting yourself on equal footing with God. And anyway, the thing about that movie is, I think that it helped me better understand this verse in Corinthians because when Salieri first hears Mozart music, Mozart's music, he's like, it's like the voice of God and he can't believe it. And he, he wishes he had that talent. And then he meets Mozart and he's like, he's a clown. Like, <laughs> and he's so mad. And he's like, God, like, why didn't you give me this talent? He's a, he's a clown. He's foolish, you know? Yeah. And I'm kind of like, that's why God didn't give it to you. Yeah. So freaking fool yourself already. Yep. Already. It's, it was a fun, it, it, oh, fun. It was an interesting lesson to learn some years ago when I realized like others, other people's successes are not my failure. Yes. Um, and I thought like it, when I realized that I felt bad and I made some apologies to people because I thought like, I was in such a bad way. Like I was so full of what myself, when I, what I really needed was the mirror turned on me to say, listen, like this is what you have to do. And, and again, once, once you learn to separate the two, like who you are and like, like what the things you have done, like they don't have to be tied. Like, yeah, they're connected because you produce those things or you made them, but I, I just need to, I, I can become better. Right. Like, one second from now, I can choose to turn it all around one way or the other. I'm not beholden to anything other than, you know, what I choose to do. And most of 
you know, there's there's maybe a few exceptions in the world where someone's success really made someone else fail. Um, but at the end of the day, like I I'm the master of my destiny and I can choose. Yes. And I used to work with I saw that early because when I was managing comedians, I would see I would see that. I remember one comic in particular I worked with who just every day all he did was obsess over the successes of others. He right. lived like like in Jordan Peterson talks about the Cain and Abel story. He lived like Cain. He oh. was just resentful. He measured himself against others and it just clouded. And I remember him saying once, like, once about one of the other comics I worked with who was getting some success at the time. Yep. And he was like, why him? Why him? He, what does he do to deserve this? And, I, and finally, I tried to be blunt with him. I was like, well, one thing he doesn't do is spend all of his time with me on the phone talking about what you're doing. Right. Like, <laughs> or even <laughs> looking at what you're doing. Right. Like, dude, it's anyway, that's that lesson you're talking about. And, and it's a Cain and Abel story. And one of the reasons I feel so bad now, because I went from, from that and, you know, very recently I, I, we were talking in Vegas about how like we're a part of, you know, five or six different Twitter DM threads. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I feel so bad because I don't, I don't write everyone back. Like I don't get back to people right away. And I'm like, but I, I know they're not losing sleep over it. You know, we're, we're all doing our thing and trying yeah. to keep up with what we want to do. And that, so I feel a little bit better when I'm like, most of the people in this space aren't taking that personally, that I'm not speaking up, but they're happy when I'm there. And the same thing goes like for threads that I've made for other people. Like when people get back to me, it's, I, I feel great. Like, oh, thank you. You know, or, you know, thank you for giving me your time. But if you didn't get back to me, it's like, I don't think that you're secretly going to fuck that same. guy. You know? Same. I have. <laughs> So I, again, we're it's so cool. we're getting to talk about stuff I never get to talk about that I just have a lot. Of. Same thing. I have to. I have to give. I give people a lot of grace because I'm the worst. Mm-hmm. You may not meet someone worse than I am at getting back to people, and so, <laughs> and so I understand that you know. And sometimes when I talk to my husband or other people, like or I, I know a lot of different kinds of artists or musicians, and and sometimes I'll be like, oh, I applied to this festival, I did this thing, or I haven't heard back, and. Maybe they just don't want me or maybe, and then mine will start spiraling into all this negativity. And it's like, let all that go. First of all, you don't even know why they didn't get back to you. And you know what? It's probably because they're a flake like me and they completely forgot. And (laughs) and it means nothing. And meanwhile, you're like, she doesn't like me or she doesn't. And it's like, no, literally um, they're, they could probably just be a flake and that's okay. (laughs) That's their weakness. (laughs) No, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. And I talk to my co-hosts all the time. Like I'll just DM them or text them and be like, oh, this is one of those days. Like I'm just not feeling it. Like it doesn't feel like anything I do matters. Like so-and-so didn't get back to me. And they're like, dude, like you had a killer show. You made 40 connections in Vegas, whatever the thing, you know? And it's like, and I thank them for that because like those are friends, you know, like that are like, you know, yeah, you you messed that up or that didn't come out right. But it doesn't matter because you still have Carrie Smith that you're talking to on Tuesday. That's awesome. Like that's your win. You know, did you wake up this morning? Let's start there. You know, the sun came Do you up. have indoor plumbing? <laughs> sure do. Good. <laughs> Thankful every day for that. <laughs> We're winning. With, yeah. Especially with two young kids who are finally using the toilet, man. Oh, <laughs> bless the bless indoor plumbing for sure. Um, no, man, it's like, it's, 
seeing where I am now versus where I was, because I started content creation in tw- 2014 on Twitch and just streaming video games. And I was, I had, I had like, at my peak there, I had like 80 people watching at a time. Um, and then I just like self-sabotaged after a while because I felt I was more important um, than I was. And I belonged in places that I, I, I wasn't ready. Uh, and then it took, it took falling for a, for a couple of years and realizing that, you know, there's an art to this and there's, there's a work ethic I need to, you know, give myself and not just for, you know, being recognized on the internet in some fashion, but just for my own like hubris. Like I needed to, I needed to be like on my knees for a bit. Um, because again, life is pain in, in, in many ways. And because of those like really troubling years, I've gotten to a place where like, again, going to the gym and like yesterday I went, I didn't go at all while I was in Vegas. Uh, and then I went for the first time since getting back and my ankle was all jacked up, but I was able to do like the elliptical. So it was like low impact, but this morning, like I'm sore, but I feel great. Like, I feel like this is why I do it because I know that this soreness is me getting stronger. Um, and you know, the, the, again, the, the, the belt cinching down a little bit more, but it's, it's, it, it came at a price and we all need that. And it's, but it's, it's the hardest thing to do. It's hard to punish yourself day in and day out. It's the, the physical fitness has been such a good analogy for so many other things because it helps me to understand other kinds of discipline yeah. or practice better and how there are some things that just it's like continual it doesn't end like spiritual yep. growth is like going to the gym it doesn't end right you know learning how to be empathetic or understanding or whatever trying to be the better version of yourself it's like every day going to the gym you can't just be oh i figured it out cool every right. enlightenment everything's cool now no <laughs> it's like you don't go to the gym once and now you're done Right, well, like, here's an even I want to broaden what I said too about like the gym and what you said made me think of it because like going to the gym and like uh, like you know uh, your faith like they they do go hand in hand, um, but going to the gym is not just going to the gym. What I what I realized I needed was not a diet plan that was temporary. It was a lifestyle shift, um, and that's where everything changed. And like it took a few weeks of again, punishing and like not wanting to go. Like I've done this all on my own. Like I don't have friends that I go to gym with. I have to go on my own, on my own time and you know, all while working and then doing all this stuff. So it was, I needed to ground myself in like, this is not temporary. Like I heard someone put it really well. It was, we're always looking for like, most people are looking for temporary solutions to infinite games. And it's like, oh my God, that's perfect because the, you know, healthy eating shortcuts, healthy living is, is a, it's an infinite game. It doesn't stop. Right. So yeah, I could lose weight. Uh, I could drop 20 pounds by changing, you know, by going to the gym. But if I don't learn how to reel in my, my everyday diet, none of those results are going to stick. And the same thing with your face. It's not sustainable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I see my co-host Hora Morada is here, and Sheep City came in hey, earlier. Um, I saw her. I want to talk to her soon too. Um, she's awesome. She's she always says, "Oh, I'm I'm uh, I'm so shy around people." And blah, blah. she is, she's full of crap. She is the best. As soon as you get like talking with her, she's she yeah. won't shut up. She's awesome. 
good so you, good vibes from her immediately yeah. both on camera and when i got to meet her briefly um no it's i'm so, i'm still sad we we missed each other in orlando um and you and you weren't at, at uh, how come you didn't go to vegas oh because we're in the middle oh, of and- renovation and we've just got a couple crazy months coming up so um i'm gonna try to be in dallas for at least part of it we'll see okay uh yeah but i had serious you know serious envy looking at all the pictures I was like oh man i wish i was there having fun saying hey to everybody yeah it was um it was even better than than orlando i thought i mean there was more people there for sure and then just just over so between orlando and and you know now i i think more i think i tripled my sub count here on youtube so that was fun. Oh, wow um cool congratulations yeah, thanks it was uh it's been it's been a, a fun journey for sure trying to trying to establish like who i am as a creator has been difficult too because i don't have really the time to do the the recorded videos i am way i'm more like you in the fact that like i like to just talk with people and do live shows that people can you know be a part of and I tried it. Well, I pre pre record most of my interview, my Thursday interviews. However, I skipped the past two weeks just because life in the house, like, and we've had so little time. We have to get all this stuff done before it gets too hot. We have to, um, well, Thursday, this Thursday, we're going to be crawling around in the attic, cleaning out all the filth again. The, this attic had so much filth in it, and we've already taken down like filled like ten contractor bags, and wow. um because we have to insulate before the it gets too hot there's oh, no yeah. insulation up there yep. and we're not going through another summer without insulation <laughs> so yeah. uh, anyway that's like there's been a number of things that were like oh my gosh we have to we have to get this done and so long story short i do usually pre-record my thursday interviews i've just been I skip the last two the um yeah and i i don't know i just i so over that time and being in vegas this this past weekend or best week rather was uh it, it was such a i don't know it's to me it's always like a, a dream come true to meet so many people yeah just because i enjoy i just enjoy talking to people and that it was so easy there like everyone the other creators the fans like they all know me to some respect to, to some extent, or like you have the people who are always showing up to, you know, my Wednesday night streams or the Legion of memers. Like they're, they're always, they're just there. One of the Legion of memers came up to me, like made us a shirt, made us a whole packet of memes and everything. And I'm like, I don't deserve this. Like what? I like, love that. You know, See, that's what I just pray. Don't get cynical. Like, and what I mean by that is it's good to be circumspect. I guess it depends. It depends on how you define cynical. I define it as like, don't get to that place where people just like don't enjoy coming to stuff like that in good faith that everyone else is there in good faith. Like just come and be open and, and have fun. And I love that so far, every event I've been to, like the Friday night tights, geeks and gamers meetups, like all that whole world is just really good people in good faith and not cynical. And that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, it's a big reason I'm doing what I, what I do. I think it's, it's just important that we, we, we ground ourselves in real life again, you know, being a part of my events and people, when they come online, like obviously that's what keeps channels going, but you know, I encourage people all the time to get out and engage with their communities and uh, you know, going to these events, you know, if you, if you're, if you're local to these areas and you're part uh, of these communities, like, you know, be, 
be involved. Like we, we want to hang out and that's, that's something that's missing. I think from, from the world is, is people engaging in just face-to-face conversations, face-to-face, getting out yeah. there, making connections. Yeah. Right. Oh, so something random happened at, um, while Vegas was happening. This is so cool. I was on Saturday. I was, I was working. I also, I work Saturday. So if I'm going to do something, I have to be able to take that time off and that's the other thing to figure out. Okay. But anyway, I was working out in Fredericksburg, Texas on Saturday. And this, uh, this guy comes up to me and he's like, Hey, are you Carrie? And my brain, because I was in work mode, I was like trying to remember how do I know him from this job in this world, this hill country world. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, how do I know you? You know, like, he was like, oh, we met at the um, Dallas meetup for FNT Geeks and Gamers. I was like, what? <laughs> how cool <laughs> is that? Yeah, yeah, world's colliding. And I just love that. That's why, that's another reason for meeting people. Like, face to face, you build those connections. And then I've run into people like that a few times now. It's so random right. when you're doing something else. And they're like, hey, don't I know you from this? You're like, what? Right. How cool is that? This fellowship. You yeah, know, I love it. Well, even even meeting some people like you know Adam Krigler, so he does his mm-hmm. Monday show based off um, based off Mondays, and so everyone except for him and Andrea were at the were at the Vegas meetup. So it was Flawed TV, Darth Call, George the Giant Slayer, and um, is that it? Man, I'm having a brain fart, and whoever's listening is going to really get me on this. But most of them were there. And I got to talk with them for, you know, for hours, basically. And it was just one of those, like, this, it was like, uh, it was networking, like on speed, because normally this, like stuff like that online just takes so much time to like, you know, have a back and forth through Twitter DMs or like have a few interactions. Uh, oh, quarter black Garrett, of course, duh, sorry. I'm so dumb. Um, but you know, like, so all that whole relationship with all of those guys, like, exponentially went up in in that time that we were together uh and i just and it also reminds reminds me that they're all normal people like however big the following is like they're just normal and they people are just people yeah yeah but you don't it's hard people are just people the worst is when uh people start to think they're not just people (laughs) yeah Yep. <laughs> that's like that's that ego thing again that's like getting the priorities out of whack it's like i'm more than just people no you're not <laughs> <laughs> right. it, it's it's so it, but it was it was a blessing for sure to be able to be uh around so many hardworking people and in one of the i think the most fun cities uh on the planet uh, I know it's Sin City and all, but it's just. It's I just love fun. Vegas. I haven't been back in a few years. That would have been another reason to go. It is fun. Did you play the um, the Sex in the City slot? So those slots, I never watched the show, but those slot machines have always been good to me. No, I <laughs> I played. So I put a hundred dollars into a slot machine. I watch it melt away, and I was like, okay, I'm good on gambling. I don't need do that anymore. You got to have a limit. Blackjack's <laughs> always been good to me too. But that's because I have my limit. And it's like, if I double this or I lose this, I leave. Yeah. And I can't go begging, except for one of my one of my old friends, like old, old friends um, from high school, even who has passed away now. But um, we used to call him the BGB. He uh, he was the he was the high roller. So 
the only time I broke that rule is when he was there because he actually he's so random. He's so, he was such a genius. Um, he created like the most popular uh, Twilight fan site ever, the most popular blog, and he made so much money from it. And he didn't even like the books or read. He just knew how to create websites and how to monetize. And he and he was smart enough to hire bloggers who did like Twilight, and they blogged for him. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he made all this money and he got invited to like premieres and stuff for every time a new twilight movie would come out and he made like all this twilight movie money and uh i don't I don't know why he came up again i'm getting to talk about things i never talk about anyway when the bgv was in vegas with us if you ran out of your own stats which my limit was very low yeah he'd be like you're on team bgb now you know and he'd be like <laughs> handing out the money and you're yeah. like okay he's like Sweet. play for me i'm like i play for you <laughs> That was fun. Yeah, I had a lot of good Vegas memories. Like we used to go there all the time. My old high school friends, my science and math friends, and I would go like every year or two. It seemed like, but anyway, I want to. You had fun at the tables. Oh, yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't go to the. I sat at the the. I sat at the one slot machine for about fifteen minutes, uh, and then that was it. Because I I do normally play blackjack. Uh, I just wasn't. I don't know why I wasn't feeling it this time. I probably should have because my odds would have been a little bit better, <laughs> a lot of bit better. But uh, I don't know. I get anxiety sometimes with blackjack because if you're sitting in the wrong position and you hit at the wrong time, you can like piss people off. And I don't. I don't oh, know. really? See, I'm not even aware. It's good just to be clueless about all that stuff. <laughs> well, there's like basic rules that you should know. Um, about pissing people off if you hit at the wrong. Who cares? It's your. T you get to choose if you're going to hit or not. Yeah, but here's the thing. So. So like, for example, if you have a hard 12, which okay. is like, you know, a face card and, a, and like a two, right. You're and like the dealer is showing anything. Like if he's showing uh, like 16 or less, I think like he has to, or I forget, I forget exactly how it is, but like, depending on the rules, if you hit at the wrong time and you take someone's card, it's not their card. If you hit and you it, get it. No, but it is because if you, <laughs> if you. So if I bust with a with a face card that someone yeah. else needed right after me, yeah, they'll be pissed because like he could have had twenty or right. twenty one. Those I do not live by those. Uh, well, it's uncouth for you to hit when because the unofficial. No, there's no the, no there's no crying in <laughs> in blackjack. Like <laughs> I choose to hit. It's my the rules say I can hit. Yeah, and if I bust, that's on me and. Oh man, I can't believe this. Now you're talking about people like like getting mad, like she shouldn't have hit that car was mine. Well, I guess it wasn't because I hit, didn't I? Meanwhile, Carrie's just like, hit me, give me another one. I love cards. And the guy next to her was like, oh. Yeah, I guess they wouldn't want to be beside me because I don't that's too many unwritten rules to pay it. Like there's the real rules and then the unwritten rules to I have too many rules. Just play by the real rules. <laughs> I, I hope I didn't ruin blackjack for you. No, I you did it. I'm never. I'm gonna purposely forget that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wanted to couple just a couple of things before we sort of like wrap up. Uh, there was a. Did you watch the White House correspondence? Um, no dinner at all. Nope. <sighs> there was there was an interesting. I I plan on reacting to it. I think overall because of. I I don't know. I I worry that when they have comedians open up for, for these correspondence dinners that they're, they're making light of things that people are genuinely concerned about. Uh, you know, they make fun of conservatives a lot, obviously, because they usually have 
you know, liberal comedians on there. But so this guy, uh, it was uh, Roy Wood Jr., who is, uh, he's a, like a correspondent for The Daily Show. And there was a part in there where he pokes fun at like conservatives in CRT. So I just wanted to play it for you real quick so you can sort of see what I mean. Oh, um, please do. I'd love to see it. Again, it's just, it's, a, it's alarming because I, he, he makes it seem like, oh, this is no big thing. And like, you're an asshole for not wanting to do it. And you'll, you'll see. But um, we know different, I believe. Them files on you. It's a wrap. <laughs> I think Republicans, y'all would be surprised, man, if y'all would just be real about what CRT is. You can be surprised. Some black folks might, might meet you halfway. But you got to tell the truth. You can't lie to black people. Call it what it is. Anti-CRT policies are an attack on black history and an attempt to erase the contributions. No, it's not. Well, oh, and, so, and all the applause. Yeah, it, it's so stupid. He's not, he's doing this thing that woke comics do. He's like, that's not even a joke. You're up there preaching to us now. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the thing is he did a really good job at sort of like balancing his, like, you know, obviously they lean really into like conservatives and DeSantis and Trump. They, they do make a few jokes at liberals expense, not quite as much, but like, this is where the jokes end. And now he's preaching to everyone saying this is you're erasing black history. And it's like, well, that's not how I understand it. That's not true at all. No, but anti-CRT policies have nothing to do. Has this guy, Roy Wood Jr. even read the Texas bill, for example, that they all complain about, just like the Florida bill that they call don't say gay, which is, that's not what it is. They haven't even read the bill. The bill added a lot of black history to the curriculum more than what was already there. Right. These guys don't know what they're talking about. And and I'm starting to wonder if they how many of them are clueless about what they're pushing? Are they as clueless as the normies who just repeat what they say or do they know that they're lying? This guy might be dumb enough that he's he doesn't know. Well, he doesn't he doesn't seem like he he's stupid and like he's even been was brought up in a like in, with a father. He talks about how his like father <laughs> started a big movement here. Um, I believe as an immigrant uh, and his mom did like was also plugged into education like so but it's just it's more it seemed more like he's been play he's been taught to play the victim for most of his life so right and you can have a high IQ and be dumb like um, you can be (laughs) I think it's the the Thomas Sowell has a quote about like some ideas are so stupid only an intellectual could believe them like (laughs) Like it's it's sort of, um, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain that really. It's just like some people are, can get into a place where they just turn off their critical thinking and their reasoning. And, um, so I guess that's kind of what I mean is, is it dumb, like not awake, you know, like just yeah. asleep, asleep at the wheel. And, and the people who repeat stuff like that about CRT, I don't know if they are disingenuous, if they're lying, or if they're uninformed or dumb asleep. And I, I'm starting to wonder, like like Chelsea Clinton yesterday it was, she oh. tweeted something about these books that were being banned from schools, books which are sexually explicit. Like they're literally pornography. Yeah. I don't use that word literally lightly. They're literally pornography. And, and she tweeted this thing because it was a headline in an article about how you know oh they're banning lgbt books man is she really that clueless or is she does she know what she's talking about and she know that she's lying 
I'm what I think that most of those like Chelsea Clinton, I don't even think she's the one running that account. Like I, I just don't believe it half the time. The only account I really know is who they say they are is Stephen King at this point. Like I know that Stephen King writing that. Everyone else, I'm like, I'm like suspect that it's probably not them even pushing it out. They were they were told, hey, you should probably say this thing, be inclusive. It's our job, um, put it out there, and then their publicist put it out or something. Like I don't, I just I can't. I can't in good faith believe that like, or in good conscience believe that people are really want kids exposed to stuff like gender queer. Like Some people do, but I think, I think most of them who push it don't know. They're like that friend I mentioned at the beginning yeah. who they hear something enough times they read the headlines that tell them the wrong information and they just believe it because they trust that echo chamber and they say yeah. stuff like, Oh, I heard Tennessee's banning drag Queens. And you're like, oh, no, they're not. <laughs> Like they're not well-meaning friend, please right. dig beneath the headlines, you know, or, oh, I heard they're banning uh, books because they're LGBT. No, they're banning books that are sexually explicit. Yeah. Well, and uh, there's, from there's a little libraries, not banned there... from anywhere else, you know? No. And that, that's what I, I was trying to tell my friend this uh, because he was, he, I'll like say one thing counter to his point in a, in a comment and he will like go on a four like page rant on Facebook about everything. And it, he brought up like, so, like gender queer. And I was like, dude, you realize like, I'm, I'm like, there, there should be, I think some form of like sex education in, in, uh, in high school. I think it's important that kids understand the consequences of their actions. So I was like, but like, I, I don't like, I want the, like, like whether it's gay or hetero, like, like sexually explicit stuff like that should not be in schools like Absolutely. at all. Absolutely. I don't even I... want straight couples talking about how they're engaged and how like I saw I saw a thing where uh this fucking teacher was like doing a like set up like wedding tables in her classroom like she's marrying her husband. I'm like get that out like that has no place in a in a classroom. Like teach no. teach them how to spell. That's it. That's your job. We don't need to bring your personal life into this. Just teach what you're supposed yeah. to teach. And it doesn't matter if it's gay, straight, trans, whatever. Like it doesn't, it doesn't belong in a classroom. That's not your job to teach them that. Have you seen these? Some of my favorite memes are making this distinction about what's happening in classrooms now. It's kind of and calling attention to it with humor, but it's true. Yeah. What I love about memes and trolling in general, you know, highlighting truth with humor. Yeah. And some of my favorite ones going around. It's like, you know, student, um, are we gonna get to calculus today? Teacher. First, more about my sex life. I'm like, no, God, I'm just here to learn calculus. <laughs> We're talking yep. to me about your sex life. <laughs> yeah. It, this, this, so this whole this whole introductory speech or whatever at the the commencement dinner was was just like this. It was oh. they they even make light of the the classified documents that Biden had. Uh, you know, again, it, it to me it's to, it's to sort of take the edge off. And be like, oh well, this isn't bad. It's only bad when Trump does it, but not, you know, not if, uh, if Biden does it, it that's, that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Hey, and look, that, go ahead. No, continue. No, was, that's one of my biggest, my biggest issues with how the left does like, they'll, they'll do that thing where they're just, Oh, <laughs> whatever. Like when we do it, it's whatever. Uh, when oh, we do Trump. it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, well, they, if they didn't have what is that if they didn't have double standards they wouldn't have any standards at all it's just like yeah. they don't have they don't hold themselves to principles and and this is not just a left thing i think this is a human um pitfall but it 
currently at this moment in history in the West, it seems to be happening a lot more on the left than the right, where people don't hold themselves to principles. They hold themselves to an ideology or to a tribe at all costs instead of principles. Right. I was just going to tell you, uh, Myth Informed is in the chat. Oh, hey. And they said, Roy Wood Jr. puts W. Kamal Bell to shame. W. Kamal Bell, they know, is my old client. He's pretty woke, so that tells me a lot. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I need to know. Now I got to go watch that woke stuff. It's it's like 25. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. It's 25 minutes long. I mean, it it wasn't even funny. Like, even the jokes that were, like, at the expense of liberals, it was such, like, a, like, tiptoeing around. I was like, okay. I don't they, know. They put their sense of humor on a leash. Like that's what you have to do when you're woke. You put it in a cage and it suffers over time the longer it's in there. Just like your inquisitiveness or your curiosity or desire to read and all those different things that people cage up when they're in a very rigid, puritanical kind of cult. Yeah. And that's what happens to comedy. It just it suffocates over time. Yeah, it's too bad because I, I, it's it's seeming to me like as time progresses, like even, you know, my wife's pretty normie when it comes to a lot of this stuff. You know, the the idea of like the, the trans women are women, like even she was just like, what, what? Like, I don't like what is the deal here? Like, and I, I remember bringing up the name like birthing person and, you know, and she was like, excuse me? I'm like, yeah, this is something that's. <laughs> oh, shags you should she might be interested in i got to interview mary lou singleton this is a while back she was in oh, a really? panel with me about women leaving the left yeah mary lou singleton was the head of the american midwives association for a long time oh and she left she had a very public sort of attempted cancellation against her because the ama the uh, am wa or whatever it's called the american midwives association had put out a statement a few years ago saying that all midwives should now refer to mothers as birthing people mm-hmm. and not use the word women anymore or mothers <laughs> or any and it's like these are midwives yeah and so she and some of the other women in the organization were like this is no yeah. this is absurd and they spoke out against it as feminists old you know second third wave like the yeah. like old school feminists before it got co-opted by social justice yep and um and yeah that was one of the out of all the interviews i've done i think that was one of the ones that was like you know real eye-opening and also a real really eye-opening into who are some of the people and where do they come from who are waking up on the left who really have like those deep roots in progressivism and feminism and in the in the left and why are they even and and if for every mary lou like someone like that who's public facing yep there's countless others and yeah and they are leaving they are leaving that that birthing per- person stuff is like that's that was big. like yeah and if that was like a planned thing it was probably the worst mistake they ever made because like those that's the kind of stuff that that changes like everyday people and being like uh no like we're all for equality we're all for being tolerant of different things but that no we're not no i'm a mother i am a woman like i am not not yeah you know and i mean and you're seeing i see countless like right so like the second third wave feminists so like i love following them and in in watching videos of them take down like these fourth wave feminists in in like colleges uh 
and then like even the like uh, trans individuals who are either uh, detransitioners or that are like just Based. awake and be like, we're not denying yeah. our biological sex. Yeah. Like I am a man that's a woman or woman that's a man. Like, and just watching them rip these woke uh, celebrities apart. Um, it, it's, it's, it, it makes me think we have nothing to worry about. Like this will eventually turn the corner and oh, it will it be. Will. So, well, we have, I guess, you know, what everyone says when I ask them this question is, well, yeah, we have something to worry about in terms of like how bad things will get until this burns itself out. Yeah. But the fact that it will burn itself out is no question to me. It, yeah. The way my pastor describes it, um, Riley Helgerson at Church on the Square, he's brilliant. But he talks about the whole culture wars, like a war on reality. It is a war on reality and reality will win. Yeah. Sometimes the consequences, it, it, you know, he, he talked about in one of his speeches, actually before our city council, he, he was saying, you know, if you jump off a building, you will face the consequences of reality very quickly. <laughs> the consequences of gravity. If you deny gravity, if you deny reality. Um, and he was saying there will be consequences to what we're doing culturally and denying reality. It just may take a while to feel them, but they are going to be very rough. Yeah. And I agree with him. But in the end, reality will win. You can't win. You can't beat mother nature. You can't meet, you can't beat reality. You can't beat right. God. That's what I think anyway. Well, I think you think of that too. I always, I always uh, think back to like the concrete and how like plants just like push themselves up through like the smallest cracks and like eventually just go back and consume everything. Like the, the earth, like you said, reality, earth, whatever, it will prevail because like it was here way before us. It'll be here way after us. Um, it's nature is just one of the most powerful forces, if not the most powerful force. And it seems like that is what everyone's like pushing so hard against. And they're not, they're not realizing like that you're just wrong and there's nothing wrong with being wrong. Um, but eventually you'll wake up and it'll come at a, at a relatively high, well, a very high cost because now we're just seeing um, so many of our kids being sterilized or, you know, essentially tortured and they're, we're not going to realize the extent of this damage yeah. until it's far, far too late. Um, and then we'll, we'll look back and be like, wow, you know, just like Fauci, well, we kind of, we kind of misconstrued that situation. Um, like, yeah, I guess, I guess we did. We've heard so many people with, not just with that cultural, this idea that kids, kids can make that decision and, and make permanent medical decisions like that for their body, like about that involve potentially sterilization and losing body parts and stuff. Kids cannot do that. Yeah. And yes, we will look back and they'll, they'll all at the time, they'll all be like, well, how could we have known? They'll try to play that game of we, 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 right. where they did the same thing in the past few years with COVID. Yep. And, you know, look at the skyrocketing depression rates, suicide rates. Um, I was looking at uh, uh, proficiency rates in, in math and English among high school uh, seniors, and they've dropped in the past three years. Of course they have. Yep. All these different things. The, the age at which kids are um, hitting these developmental milestones in terms of vocabulary and learning how to speak the CDC has like pushed all those milestones back. Of course, they didn't attribute it to them not being socialized. And, and maybe the fact that everyone around these toddlers are wearing masks for two years, so they don't get to learn what words look and sound like, you know, yeah. um, that we have done irreparable harm to this generation in many ways. And yeah, yeah mother nature will reap like it, <laughs> mother nature. We are going to feel the consequences of all that as a society. And I hope so. And, and like uh, Socrates said, like, I hope it's sooner than later. Um, 
I do, I do want to pause here because this has been an awesome conversation, but I do want to give my locals uh, subscribers a, a bit of after, after party here for a few minutes. Um, I know we're, we're running low on time, but I do want to thank everyone who came over to YouTube and has uh, been a part of this conversation, who has listened. Um, it's been really great. And of course, Carrie, I love talking to you. Thank you for, for joining this part. You're welcome. I've loved it. Um, is there anything you want to say to anyone, um, about what you're doing, anything big coming up that you want to uh, share? Uh, big coming up. Uh, no, lately I've just been plugging my husband's music video. We put out his video this week and it's, awesome it's not video. on my channel, but it's on his channel. It's uh, Anthony Garcia music here. I'll give you a link. Oh, and, yes. uh, it's called devil in my heart. And I got, I had a, I had a cameo at the end and it's a great, I, I don't just say this because I'm biased. It is a great song and a great video. And here, I'll put this in the private chat for you. Here's the link. Yeah. Um, and we're and if you guys, while she's giving me that, um, my that is my oh god, that's not that's not for you. It goes here. You can have that too. So my my locals is over there. If you guys want to be a part of that, you well, you can check catch this extra segment on there uh, tomorrow when I post it. And let me get this link for you guys for the video. So it's it's an Anthony Garcia music, and the song is called Devil in My Heart. And I hope you enjoy it if you get a chance to watch it. And my little dog's in it, too. And my little dog, too. <laughs> um, well, yeah, thank you guys so much um, for joining this uh, episode of Ready, Set, Shag. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Carrie. And I look forward to one last little conversation over on my locals. Cool. See you guys later. Bye.